So, the title of tonight's talk is Friday the 13th, <laughs> which is tomorrow. So, let me begin by saying that, uh, oh yeah, first, welcome, thanks for being here. It's, uh, it's nice for me to get back into this work, so I, I actually have been teaching meditation since I was in college, which is strange. My dad taught me meditation when I was a little kid, which I kind of realized one day. I was like, oh yeah, my dad used to meditate with me. Um, so I guess I've been doing this for a long, long time. But um, it's really nice for me to be here. I was diagnosed with Lyme disease a few months back and had been having symptoms for about a year. So I took the last, like almost half year just to myself necessarily. And I'm kind of just easing myself slowly back into being able to hold space and share again. So you're also all really supporting me by being here and being a part of this. And that's me feel like, okay, like I can still do this, right? It <laughs> still works. Um, so Friday the 13th, which is tomorrow. When I say Friday the 13th, what comes to mind for people? The movie. The movie. Oh, man. Yeah. Bad luck. Bad luck. Superstition. Superstition. Crazy kids running around at school. Crazy kids running around at school. She's a teacher. So, Friday the 13th. So let's break that down. So Friday, when you get into the days, um, Friday is actually traditionally considered a day of the goddess. So Friday is actually a, a female power day so to say. And 13, there's 13 months in the lunar cycle, which means that also for the woman, there's 13 cycles of a woman. So 13 is also the number of the goddess. So Friday the 13th, it's actually a powerful goddess day. It's double woman power day. When the Knights Templar, if anyone read like the Da Vinci Code, that the Knights Templar were kind of like protecting the bloodline of Jesus in that book and stuff, there was an attack on the Knights Templar on Friday the 13th, probably specifically because it was a day of the goddess. And the Knights Templar were protecting the divine feminine, which Christianity kind of wiped out and made it all just like father, son. You know, it's very masculine, and the feminine is nowhere to be found. But there was actually a, a feminine, a divine feminine, originally in, in, involved in that. So Friday the 13th, it's kind of a continuation of like the patriarchy, if you will, putting this darkness over the divine feminine and saying like, oh, it's bad luck, it's bad, don't look, oh. But actually it was a very powerful day for women, Friday the 13th. So I just wanna start to reprogram people to say Friday the 13th is a very powerful, and this is like a bunch of women in this room, so yeah, it's like a powerful feminine day. And it was considered bad luck because the Knights Templar were attacked on that day, so it was like bad luck, so to say, for them. But, uh, but the day itself is actually a really powerful good day. So that understanding of something that seems bad on the outside, but actually within it is something that's really powerful and even good, that's the topic for tonight. I um, have been through the, the absolute worst period of my entire life by far, by far. 
um, days where I would just be counting the hours, just trying to literally survive to the next hour until I could finally go to bed at night to have time where I just didn't have to be here for a little while to then wake up and do it again. In the middle of having really bad Lyme disease, um, the doctors at first, they didn't know what was wrong with me. And I went to all these different people and they're like, oh, you have anxiety. And I said, well, I mean, I had anxiety as a kid, but I, I was a Buddhist monk for a decade. I, I know my mind pretty well. This is not normal. Uh, you know, I maybe, but I don't think so, right? And my father died a couple years ago and I broke up with like a long-term partner. So there were like some emotional things in my life. But still, I was like, it doesn't, it shouldn't be like this. I was like almost having these panic attacks. I was having trouble breathing. Very, very scary. Um, and it got so bad, it started escalating to the fact that it, it was like my nervous system was just switched on. The fight or flight mode was just switched on. And I couldn't get out of it. My whole body was shaking and tingling and it was terrifying. I was having trouble breathing and it felt like I was falling and it was insane. So finally, the doctors were trying to push medication on me and I kept saying, no, 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 it's not the route that I take. Uh, but I got to this head where I had no choice. So they ended up giving me Klonopins, which is this benzodiazepine. So um, I said, okay, I don't know if that's what you're giving me to take, sure. So I started taking that and it did start to get better. Like my days were manageable for that month that I took them. And then my doctor said, okay, you know, you've done them now, just cut it in half and then wait, you know, a few days and cut it in half. And I said, okay, and then I, you know, cut it in half and then I, um, started feeling kind of weird. I didn't really know how to, else to say it. I felt weird. But I like woke up in the middle of the night and I kind of had this weird like shiver, but then my whole body kind of tremor. And I was like, whoa, like, what was that? Just like this weird thing. And then, and then the next day I started feeling kind of like nauseous and dizzy. Uh, and then I had like the best I could describe it would be like a psychotic episode where I would never say that like, I had like any suicidal thoughts or tendencies or anything like this, but I had this energy come up in me that was like the feeling of like suicide. And it was terrifying, terrifying. Never experienced anything like this, terrifying. And I called one of my friends who was on benzodiazepines and she came over and sat with me throughout the night. And she said like, what did the doctor say? You know, he said do half and she's like, what? <laughs> And she said, you're supposed to like, cut the pill down by like a fifth once a month to get off of it. And she said, the only two withdrawals you can die from, it's alcohol and benzos. Oh, wow. And I had unknowingly, I mean, followed the doctor's instructions, but I had put myself into a severe withdrawal. And I had to then take more of the medication and then slowly taper off of it. And I just finished on Super Bowl Sunday. That was like the last. And I ended up having to do liquid taper where I broke it up and mixed it with water. And like, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy experience, right? So I had like that going on on top of Lyme disease, right? On top of grieving all these losses on top. So it was this very multi-layered experience of intense suffering that I've been going through for the last half a year. And I've been getting better, I've been coming out of it, but it comes in these waves. So I'll have days or weeks where I feel worse and worse and worse and I can't get out of bed. I'm like, just feel nauseous, my nervous system's getting triggered and stuff. And then I'll have days like today, like actually since I gave that healing here the other day, 
literally at the healing, everything just went away, and I've been okay since. So I'm like, all right. But it kind of comes and goes, right? So just before the healing, I was having this intense, um, throughout those days of like the full moon, like the days leading up to the full moon and the day after, super nervous, super anxious, my energy was too much, overwhelmed, couldn't deal. Uh, my nervous system was really flaring up. I was like, I don't know what the hell to do, like trapped in this body that's pretty much like attacking itself, right? It's a crazy feeling. And so I was, went to Andover and I went for a walk around Haggett's Pond and I went to like the forest there. And I kind of walked like around to the back of the pond and I jogged a bit and I was walking and I was feeling this and I had the healing here that night. And I was like, all right, Seth, like you've got to get yourself out of this somehow to hold space for other people. But I was like, I don't know how. And I said, well, what is, what is like, what are you, what is your purpose? I was like, why are you here? And I kind of felt into it and I said, well, spirituality, like helping, you know, connecting myself more to spirit and also supporting other people to kind of get more into that, whatever that is on all the different levels of what spirituality means. And I said, well, why do you think that spirituality happens when you get better instead of there being spirituality right now in this moment? And I was just like, fuck, okay, like, how do I accept this moment? And I said, well, let's pretend that you're gonna get better. And I was like, okay. I said, what would be like a really cool story to tell people about this moment? What would be like a really amazing thing that you could do right now that would feel powerful? And I kind of like sat there and I, you know, held on to some trees and just tried to ground myself and kind of sat in this rock and looked over at the water. And I kind of just felt into everything and I said, you know what, you know, whatever this is, great spirit, whatever, you know, whatever this is, whatever's there for me, thank you. And I just said, thank you for this human experience. Thank you for this experience of suffering. Thank you for feeling lost. Thank you for feeling overwhelmed. Thank you for not knowing the way and thank you for not showing me the way. Thank you for making me stronger. Thank you for bringing me to all these really, really dark places to show me how resilient I am once I get through them. And thank you for teaching me those things because one day I'll be able to guide other people out of those same places that I've been in because now I know. Thank you for this void that I've just been in for the last half a year of just not knowing the great mystery. What, what's happening? What am I doing? How am I getting out of this? Thank you for the insecurities. Yeah, really, just thank you for just this being human, being here, the ability to be alive. And as I started just thanking all of these things that I've been fighting against for the last year, the energy, something, it started to shift. And I went from feeling like I was a real victim of this circumstance, a real victim in this story, to almost being like an empowered co-creator of it. That suddenly it wasn't like, I'm lost, I'm afraid, I'm overwhelmed, I'm in pain, I'm suffering, I'm sad, I'm grieving, I don't know, to thank you for this. Like standing fully in my power and saying like, I don't know what the fuck this is, and I would do anything not to be in this situation, and yet I'm here, and I've tried everything to get out of it, and I can't. And sometimes the hardest 
place to be is right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. There's nothing else I could say. Just thank you for letting me be here. And honestly, from that moment on, I started to get better. Something started to shift. And Lyme disease is something that I've been feeling into, and I really feel that what it is, it's a disease that forces you to be super self-care oriented that I have to be on top of my diet, I have to be on top of my energy levels, I have to be on top of the thoughts that are coming in my head and the feelings, how much sleep I'm getting. I have to be on top of everything to almost like an OCD degree to take care of myself. And that's what I was not doing before I got sick. I was doing these healings, doing all the stuff for other people and going out, but I wasn't taking care of myself at all. And I really feel like Lyme had it forced me, one of the many lessons, many, many lessons, is that it forced me to really have to start taking care of myself on like a deeper level. I, um, I read this book recently called The Fifth Sacred Thing, which is like an amazing book, which I would suggest to everybody. It's by this woman, Starhawk, wrote it. And it's a story, it's not just like a guidebook it's a story but embedded in the story there's a lot of like real lessons but it's um, it's a story that's set in the near future and in the book there's a virus that is going across the whole earth and society is broken apart and it's about like this group of people that live in what is now San Francisco who are rebuilding society and the society they're rebuilding it's beautiful the way that they're they're living on the land and they all love each other and they're there and one of the characters some of the main characters in the book are the healers of the society so she talks about the healers going in to deal with this to heal this virus and almost having these shamanic experiences of going into it and seeing it and trying to communicate with it and work with it and shift it and this woman starhawk she gave a a, web, a webinar uh, that i was able to attend and then she gave another one that I wasn't, but I watched the, the replay yesterday. And in the webinar, she said, so, like, you know, she did her whole, she talked for a while, and then she said, so, with this coronavirus thing that we're all experiencing, she said, let's shift our way of looking at it. And she said, what is this virus trying to show us? What is this trying to teach us? why has it come into our collective field, right? What is the point of this? What, what is this about? And I felt into it as she, as she was saying that, and I was meditating and I felt into that and what it's kind of doing. And you know, everyone's like, we're canceling our flights and our plans and people are getting quarantined and places are shutting down and everything is being forced to slow down. Everything is being forced to slow down. We are having a forced worldwide retreat. It's forcing us to stop. Why? Because if we collectively don't 
change the way that we are living on this planet, everybody is going to die anyway. We are hurting the earth, we are hurting each other. Yeah, we're not taking care of each other, we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not taking care of the earth. We are, we are not living in a sustainable way here. We need something to change. And whether it's like the fires that were just going on in Australia, you know, and there's flooding in other places, and there's stuff going on everywhere. But all of these lessons, these Im feeling of imbalance, there's an imbalance happening. And it's showing us, hey, this is out of balance. This needs correction. In nature, when there's like, you know, waves of creatures that die off or things that happen, nature is trying to find its balance. Nature is always trying to survive. That's what nature is. We are part of nature. Nature is about the continuation of life. It doesn't care about us as a species. It doesn't care about any species specifically. Nature, life, just wants to continue. That's what life does. Life is a continuation of life. It procreates. It keeps going. Yeah, so life is trying to keep going. And if we, our species, is going to stop life from continuing on this planet, nature is going to kick our species out to make sure life is able to continue. Yeah, so that's like the hard truth of it. And the fact that people have to get sick and the fact that people are dying and more people are going to die, unfortunately, we humans, we do not learn quickly. We do not listen until we are slapped in the face by something. Yeah, I know it's hard to even get myself to go to the gym, you know. It's hard just to do these little basic things for myself that I know are so good, you know, let alone change like my shopping habits or whatever, you know, let alone companies, right, and nations. We're all really entrenched in these habits, these ways of being, living, and doing. And so things like this come along to actually give us the opportunity to change. And the first step in changing, it's A, we have to hit a wall of some kind. It has to hurt. Ow. And then you stop and you have to re-examine. And that's kind of the process we're in right now. We're hitting this wall. We're getting the big ow. And then it's going to force us to re-examine. Because what you've noticed also from this virus is not only is it making nations close their borders and stuff, but what is that about? What is the theme of closing borders? What is the theme of borders and travel and this kind of thing, right? The theme of that is interconnection. It's that we are really seeing how interconnected we are, how much we rely on each other. I had an event happening on Monday where I was going to teach teachers meditation. Um, I was like 15 teachers, and we are going to do like a day-long retreat in this conference center. There's like conferences in the other rooms, and they have stuff there every day. And I canceled it today. I called them, and I said, like, look, like, I'm a little bit immunocompromised from what I've just been through. But also, like, it is our social responsibility moving forward to slowly start social distancing practices. Yeah, we're not there yet. We're like at the edge of it, like right now. Like this area is still safe, like this is like still like a safe space, but like slowly everything is going to, you know, it's like a wave is going to come over everything. 
and schools are closing, like the NBA just closed, like baseball, hockey, like everything is now not happening. My mom told me this morning, like Stephen Colbert is now gonna be in front of an empty audience for all the shows, yeah? So it's like, a, it's real, you know, it's happening. Whole countries are now on shutdown. So um, the schools are going to be closing. They will be, all of the schools, the public schools, all the kids are gonna be home. The kids are home, the parents are gonna have to be home. If the parents are home, who's working? Yeah, this is, this is a big thing that's happening. It's a big thing, it's real. It's like, kinda like something out of like a scary movie in a way. It's very surreal, it's very sobering. But if we look deeper into it, there is going to be a wave of this stuff that comes over us and then it's gonna clear and things are going to restart but it's gonna come from a different place. Because like honestly, how often have we as a whole planet gone through something together? Like World War II or something maybe? Yeah? When's the last time that we collectively as a whole earth, everybody, eight billion people, all went through something together? Yeah, it's incredible. If you think about it, it's crazy. But like we're going through this with everybody on the planet. This isn't personal, this isn't just us, this is the whole humanity is going through this together. So we can really feel that and it's gonna change us. It's, it's changing us collectively, it's gonna change the collective conscious. We're gonna, things are gonna be different moving forward from here. It's, it's actually crazy as I'm saying this because I was listening to an astrology conference online and they actually said there's a planetary alignment that's going to be happening around the end of February and it hasn't been seen since the beginning of World War I and then it happened again at the end of World War II and it's happening again at the end of February. So they were saying like maybe there's going to be like a big war. And only now in retrospect, I'm like, oh my God, it's this. Like, this is the thing that they were talking about, that like, it's lined up for like this worldwide thing to be happening right now. It's insane. So we are all now gathered here to meditate, right? We're all sitting here, like, what does practice mean? <laughs> my life was already hard enough before this happened. Anybody else? Anybody else is like, I didn't need this. Ain't nobody got time for that, you know? <laughs> yeah, really. Does anybody else, like, I was already overwhelmed to capacity with life. Just normal shit. <laughs> Before a worldwide <laughs> zombie apocalypse, global pandemic, where I'm going to be, like, locked in my house with my cat or something, you know? Sharing the last bit of cat food because we there's no more toilet paper, you know, whatever. I went to CBS yesterday and I said to the girl, I was like, has everyone been buying toilet paper? And she goes, yeah, they have. How did you know? And I said, every time people panic, they buy toilet paper. And she goes, why? And I said, I guess they're just afraid that they'll be at home for a long time and need to poop a lot. And she like hadn't even put it together she just as I said it she's like oh my god it's true people have been buying toilet paper all day you know yeah 
So you can use paper towels, you can use napkins. The unpopular suggestion, but I lived in India for eight months and they don't have toilet paper, they use water. <laughs> so just saying, don't shake my hand later because I've used, <laughs> I've used water for eight months in a row and it was actually quite pleasant. It's like <laughs> taking like a little bath, you know. You feel much cleaner actually. So what does it all mean, right? What does it all mean? Because on one hand, there's this thing that's kind of like coming at us from all sides, right? And at the same time, we don't really know what's going to happen. So this heightened feeling of anxiety, uh, when I first you know, learned about the word anxiety and I was trying to learn like, what does anxiety mean? Uh, the definition that was given to me was like, imagine somebody that's told they're going to go to war tomorrow. You're going to go to war tomorrow and you're in bed tonight, and you know that you're going to go in war tomorrow, how are you going to sleep tonight? And why? Why are you going to feel anxious? What is that? Because you know that there's a time approaching that something's going to happen and that you're going to have to do something, but it's not happening yet. So you have that burst of like adrenaline and that feeling like you have to do something, but there's not yet anything to do, and that's anxiety. Is wanting to react, but there's nothing to react to. Does that make sense? So in the face of all of this stuff, right, what can our approach be? And I already said it yesterday, and maybe I'm the first person to say this. I said yesterday, thank you, coronavirus. Right? Just like I said, thank you to my lostness, thank you to my pain, thank you to Lyme disease, thank you coronavirus. And then I was like, ooh, that was powerful to say and kind of scary and almost feels disrespectful to people who are like dying from it. But I said, no, like thank you because to anything that comes into my life, thank you. To the worst possible thing that I'm going to experience, thank you. Because you are giving me a full human experience and you are here. And if you are here, Thank you. And that goes with anything that we're feeling. If you're feeling anxious, if you have loss, if your nervous system's freaking out, whatever's going, thank you. This isn't the book of the, my life that I would have written. This isn't what I would have given myself. But thank you. Because I listened to this talk, this woman, Carolyn Meese, she gave a talk. Um, I have a CD in my car. And she said, it's easy to be grateful at the banquet. It's hard to be grateful when you're starving. And she's like, but that's the time you need to practice being grateful. Anybody can be grateful when everything's going good, right? But can we feel thankful? Can we look on the bright side? Can we really still feel that the universe is there for us, that life is there for us? Can we still keep in contact with the trust that we deserve good things, that we are valuable, that things are going to come our way, that things are going to work out, that things are happening for some reason, if we can understand that reason, and even if we can't understand that reason. So this is like the question, and it's almost like a... <sighs> we have to learn how to be spiritual warriors. We have to learn that we are going to face 
all of the worst things that life can throw at us. And not just us, everybody, because it's all part of the, it's called living, called being human. You're going to have to face everything possible. And what we are being called to do, it's a calling. We're being called to how can I still stand in my power? How can I take care of myself, take care of others, protect myself? I'm not going to run over to a hospital and be like, oh, spiritual warrior, and you know, start like licking the walls or something. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm staying the hell away from everybody. You know? <laughs> but how to be a spiritual warrior in all of this? How to find a way to still sit up tall and to still say, I'm going to face this. I'm going to get through this. And thank you to whatever I face that's going to give me new experiences, new views. It's going to make me stronger. It's going to teach me new lessons. Again, I have been suffering more than I've ever suffered in my life intensely for the last year. And I look back on it, and it's like, wow, I've learned so much. I've met a lot of new people. I'm getting like acupuncture and magnet treatment and taking herbs and doing this and this. And I'm, it's like all these new things have come into my life that I never really did a lot of before. You know, because of this, because of this thing that was bad, so bad. But I actually look and see how much I've learned from it, how much I've changed from it, what it's given me, all the gifts, the blessings that are wrapped up in it that while I was in the middle of it, I didn't see. But in retrospect, I've decided to, to look and see, well, what are the good things that are happening? And there's, I could make a huge list of them. You know, and that's not me being like some spiritual monk guy. That's like a legit thing. Like I can actually see like, wow, look at all these blessings I've been given. You know, and I'm still in it. And I still want to get the fuck out of it. And yet I know that there's still more lessons and blessings coming. Because that's just all wrapped into it. So the way that I'll probably lead the meditation tonight, um, and it's interesting because we have the... The mix of people here, I feel like there's a lot, we're all very sensitive. This is like a sensitive group. Um, some of us are sensitive and we're being like overwhelmed by the energy of the world around us and within us. Some of us are sensitive and we're starting to pop, I would say, spiritually. That um, Anybody see the movie Twilight? Mm -hmm. It's like the vampires and werewolves. Yeah. It was like a teen movie, and there's like the guy takes off his shirt, and he's like, I am the werewolf. And the girl's like, oh, werewolf. Oh, no, the vampire's cute, too. And I can't decide. And they're like fighting over her. And there's like a bunch of them. They get better as they, the last one's amazing. They get better as they go. But uh, <laughs> I did not think I'd be talking about this. But like, there's a part in like one of the last ones. So there's vampires and werewolves, OK? And uh, like the second to last one or something, like all of the bad vampires are coming to this like town, right? But as the vampires are coming, all of these guys start popping into where they become werewolves. Like they just like they're like, ooh, 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 ooh. like it's in the movie and, and they have to and like you know Jacob like you know they have to come and be like it's okay guys like because as more vampires were coming in to keep the balance more people had to become werewolves. So it's like more, more of their relatives or whatever, the gene was activating. You know, they're becoming werewolves, right? To keep that balance. Um, so this is something that's happening right now spiritually, is that as there's an imbalance happening, a lot of people who are spiritually inclined are starting to pop. Yeah, that as it's needed 
for more people to be holding, to anchoring the light down, to be holding clarity, to be connected to something bigger. A lot of people are starting to pop. A lot of people who had all their shit together before do not have their shit together anymore. Things are falling apart and breaking apart suddenly. They think they're going through hell. Why me? What is this? Holy crap, it's the big one. You know, if this is like LA, the earthquake, this is the big one. Everything is breaking, everything. I can't control it anymore. I can't handle it anymore. Yeah? We're popping. We're, it's, it's wake up time. It's time to wake up. Necessarily. Necessarily so. For the continuation of life on this planet. Necessarily so. We are waking up. And a lot of people, it's an accelerated process. Yeah? So if you're going through something terrible right now, if you're going through, like, I've never gone through something like this, I don't know what's going on, you're probably one of the people who's really being called to help hold it down. Yeah, so it's a weird way to think about it, but if you're going through something terrible right now, you're like one of the chosen ones. Okay? So don't think that this is the why me. It's like, no, you're being chosen. If you're waking up at 3 in the morning with visions and things coming in, presences, which is like interesting that like four people in this room said that this is like happening to them like now or whatever, you are being called. <laughs> Start receiving those messages. What? Get a journal out. Light a, light a candle. What? what? What would you have of me? Do, what do you want to tell me? What should I tell people? What's going on? Start asking, opening up, listening. Yeah, everybody needs to start looking. How am I being called to be part of the change? How am I being called to do the work? What is being asked of me? And maybe all that's being asked of you is just to be broken right now. And that's a weird thing, and that sucks. I'll tell you, that sucks. But like, I've been calling myself Humpty Dumpty because I've realized that I kept getting broken and broken and broken and broken and broken to the point that I cannot reassemble myself again the way that I was before. And I thought that that's because I am now so full of trauma from everything I went through. It's like PTSD kind of stuff that I just can't put it back together. But I'm slowly actually waking up to the fact like, no, 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 it's not. That's not trauma. It's that you have broken and broken and broken and broken, but you've been like expanding. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't even know what it's like. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't. But yeah, it's something that's like breaks and then it expands, and then it kind of hardens, and then it breaks, and then it expands again, and then it hardens, and it breaks and expands and hardens. So I don't know like, what does that, but something like that. Um, and lava, lava kind of like lava. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's the closest thing I can do. Um, so like, what does good mean? What does bad mean? You know, what is helpful, what is harmful? Somebody asked the Dalai Lama, the Chinese invaded Tibet, they killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of your people, they kicked you out of your land. Like, was this a bad thing for the Tibetan people? You know, because they also brought in technology, they connected you to the world. Like, it, was this a good thing or a bad thing? And the Dalai Lama thought about it and he said, too early to tell. And this was like, 40 years after it had happened. 40 years later, the Dalai Lama said, too early to tell. Wait another 100 years. I was in the Buddhist monasteries, and a lot of people say, you know, is Buddhism working? Does Buddhism work in the West? It worked in China, it worked in Vietnam, it worked in... 
is it working in America? And the response that I heard from like the highest monks that I talked to, it's too early to tell. Wait 500 years and then we'll know if it worked. Yeah? So we need to start to use that bigger perspective and start to try to understand things from a bigger timeline. Just because something's unpleasant doesn't mean it's bad. Because it's painful doesn't mean it's bad. Because it wasn't in our plans doesn't mean it's bad. Because we don't want it doesn't mean it's bad. All of that stuff means is just that it's, it's not expected. It wasn't, expe it wasn't on our plan. It wasn't what we want. But it's up to us to assign meaning to things, to understand, to, to create meaning, but also to see what meaning's actually there. Because anything inherently has good and bad in it. Every natural disaster also brings out all this goodness and support from people, right? And all of like the most amazing things that happen, like, yay, Miss America, you know, she's smiling, but then all the other people are heartbroken. You know, yay, the Super Bowl, but it's like the biggest sex trafficking event in the world. You know, yay, I got a baby, but all my friends looking at the pictures online who don't have babies are super jealous and upset, you know? Anything that's really good is also imbued with bad things. And anything that's really bad is also imbued with good things. It's all connected. Yeah, and it's up to us to try to figure that out and unravel that. So this is really all just like a big impulse to work with our perspectives, right? This is a call to see how we can shift our perspective. If we can't change the situation, can we change our relationship to it, okay? So with all that being said, I'm going to lead you in a guided meditation for a little while. <laughs> I won't name the amount of time. So why doesn't everybody take a deep breath? Let me see if I can stop this recording. <laughs> 